What's going on, everyone? Welcome in on a Friday, January 4th. This is episode 53 of WFS, The Will Ford Show. It's terrific to have you in on a, on a Friday. Uh, TGIF, New Year. Um, everyone's setting their New Year's resolutions. And I hope all of you guys are sticking to them to this point. And um, I, I don't know if I've really set one for myself yet, I guess. Obviously, I want to be healthier, uh, like everybody else, like everyone does. Um, <clears throat> uh, but I know I need to start working out more. I need to. I mean, I'm just skin and bones. If you ever saw me, and if you know me, and you listen to the show, and you know who I am, you know I'm I'm just skin and bones essentially. <laughs> I'm really skinny. I'm like six one, a buck fifty. Um, so obviously, I want to start working out. I want to start uh, eating healthier and things like that. Some of the, the normal resolutions, those are the typical, typical ones, but hopefully you guys have set some good goals for yourselves and you guys are achieving those to this point. I know it's only four days in, but, um, progress means everything, uh, and whatever you do. Uh, but we got a great weekend worth of football coming up. I know I've been detailing it for the past, you know, week, week and a half. Um, we had some we had a great game in the NBA last night, and that's where we're going to start. Houston Rockets taking on the Golden State Warriors in Oakland. The Warriors were up 20 at one point, and the Rockets came all the way back, won the game on a James Harden game-winning three-pointer, a deep three over Klay Thompson and Draymond Green. Um, I watched the last quarter, quarter and a half of this game, and it was just incredible how Houston fought back to just just to make it even close against Steph and Clay and KD who all played pretty well in their own right but James Harden is just on one right now he is playing absolutely insane and he's one of four players in the past 50 seasons uh one of four with Kobe Bryant, Allen Iverson and Michael Jordan to have five straight 40-point games. And last night, he had a 40-point triple-double. 44 points, 10 rebounds, 15 assists, 13 of 32 from the field, 10 of 23 from three-point land, a couple steals, and seven turnovers. So, obviously, a high usage rate. Chris Paul and Eric Gordon were both out. And... The Rockets right now are the ho- the hottest team in the NBA. They've won 11 of 12, and they've won six in a row. And after starting off the season really poorly, James Harden has just, just been able to pull this team out of the hole they were in. And they're f- firmly in the, in the discussion as one of the best teams in the NBA again, and probably the second best team in the Western Conference right now, and definitely when CP3 and Gordon come back. It should be noted that Clint Capella also had a heck of a game last night too. I believe 29 points and like 26 rebounds. He was incredible, but James Harden is definitely the story. And I would argue, and I, I think this is probably unarguable, I think he's the most unguardable player in the league today. And 
possibly one of the most unguardable players all time and one of the all time great scorers in this game. And and it's it's just funny, you know, you, in the league today, you can't touch players. There's no hand checking like there was back in the early 2000s, 80s, and 90s. So, you know, there's a foul pretty much on every play. James Harden is one of the best in the league at drawing fouls. His step-back jumper, although he travels sometimes, is the most unguardable shot in the league. It's really become his trademark. Like, Dirk Nowitzki has the one-foot step-back. Um, and James Harden's signature shot is that step-back three. You know, Kobe's signature shot was the fade-away. Um, and... This is what James Harden has. He's got this, this step back three, and it's literally unguardable, especially when you travel. But when he doesn't travel, which is, you know, he's only he doesn't travel that often on his step backs. There's only been probably, I know there's one or there's probably two or three calls that I can, like I can just see it in my mind right now. Those calls that were missed, like the double step back he did the other night. Uh, it was like a week or two ago. Uh, there was one last year on Wesley Johnson where he made him fall over. And then there was another one this year, I believe. Um, I can't remember the one, but I but I can I know he's he's had a couple of those calls, but more often than not, he's not traveling with the ball when he does those step backs. And it's the most unguardable shot in the league. And right now, James Harden, the defending MVP, the reigning defending MVP, is just putting on a clinic right now and playing the best basketball out of anyone in the world. James Harden is just playing incredible basketball, and he's doing this all without CP3 and Eric Gordon, and he kind of has to. I mean, the the Rockets needed every bit of those 44 points last night. Every bit of it. Steph Curry played great. KD played great. Draymond had a nice game. Clay had some clutch shots. And James Harden, unbelievable. And um, referees were taking a lot of flack from this game, especially referees have been taking a lot of flack for a number of years in the NFL, NBA, for a lot of missed calls they make, rule changes, things like that. But last night, there was a lot of missed calls, a lot of fouls that probably shouldn't have been fouls, and probably the most unbelievable call, or I should say non-call, that I've ever seen in any sport, ever. If you were watching the game, late in the game, there was probably about 10 or 12 seconds left to go in overtime. And the ball was going out of bounds, and Kevin Durant was running over to try to save it. And he was out of bounds, literally. It wasn't like just foot on the line where it may, it may be difficult to tell. Like he was firmly out of bounds, literally probably two feet out of bounds, both of his feet. And he was a couple feet 
outside the boundary, grabbed the ball, threw it back in. Steph Curry caught it and then hit a one-dribble pull-up jumper to put the Warriors, Warriors up two points with about five seconds to go. And then, of course, James Harden bails out the referees and gets his vengeance and hits the, probably the most unbelievable shot of the year and one of the most unbelievable shots I've ever seen. There's been a lot of issues with the referees across pretty much all leagues in the last couple of years, and especially this year. You know, in the NFL, we're, we're talking about the roughing the passer penalties. And in the NBA, it's all about the missed calls that they, uh, all, all those calls that they miss that they don't call. Uh, like all the travels that we've seen. Kyrie Irving had an unbelievable travel. The same one as James Harden about a week ago where it was a double step back. Like how do you, I don't understand how you missed that. I know players are really quick and they make those moves really quick, but those are obvious. Like there's no wonder why guys get wide open looks all the time. It's because they travel. I understand the flack the referees get, and it's it's well deserved. They they don't make the right calls. Obviously, referees are gonna miss calls. That's just human nature. You're not gonna get every one right. But you gotta get the obvious ones right. You have to know like clearly what is right what is correct and what is incorrect, what is wrong. And you'd have to watch the the replay. The You'd have to watch KD being out of bounds. I mean, it was just unbelievable. Like When I was watching it real time, I couldn't really tell just based on the angle. I thought he had stepped out of bounds and then came back in to save it, which would still be illegal because he, he, be, he can't be the first one to touch it if he goes out of bounds. And I thought he had stepped out, but I just wasn't totally sure he was moving really fast. And it was, you know, watching it on TV, it's different. But a referee is literally standing five feet away. Looking at him. How you miss it, I don't know. You'd have to look up the replay for yourself. Look up Houston Rockets, Golden State Warriors highlights, or look up KD out of bounds. I'm sure you can find it. It's unbelievable. All right, so I want to shift gears. Uh, Kawhi Leonard made his anticipated return to San Antonio last night as the Toronto Raptors took on the Spurs. And as expected, Kawhi got booed as he was announced for the starting lineup. Danny Green got cheered. Danny Green was a part of that trade to Toronto. Danny Green was cheered, and Kawhi Leonard was booed. And I I don't have a problem with it at all. I think that was that's what I expected. And especially given the situation, I would definitely expect that out of a a fan base who uh whose player, you know, wanted to leave them, wasn't committed to them, and really didn't play last year due to injury or supposed injury. We don't know. I'm going to trust a player's judgment on his body, but I mean we don't know for sure if he was just holding out or if he was actually injured. But he was booed. 
and he was booed pretty much every time he touched the ball last night. And he scored the first basket of the game. It was an and one layup. And of course, you know, showered with booze. But San Antonio dominated the game last night. They they ran out to a 20-point first quarter lead. And really, it was the game was just put to bed after that. Kawhi had a good game. He had 21 points. But, I mean, the Spurs just took it to him. DeRozan had a triple-double, the first triple-double of his career. Marcus Aldridge had a nice game. And, you know, the Spurs are looking, you know, pretty, pretty solid right now. They've been playing good basketball. And I would like to think that they would be in the playoffs this season just based on, you know, Pop's history with players and, you know, the way they've been playing lately. If you look at the Western Conference standings, um, that's the East. Let's go to the West. Spurs are sitting at the seven seed right now at twenty-two and seventeen. Lakers are right behind at twenty-one and seventeen. I think the Lakers and the Spurs probably going to both be higher. I expect. I expect the uh, Trailblazers and the Clippers to fall off. Uh, but if you're if you look at it, the the Nuggets are number one right now in the Western Conference. 25 and 11. And the Thunder are right behind at 24 and 13. And then the Warriors, 25 and 14. Nuggets are playing great basketball right now. Nikola Jokic is an incredible player. Jamal Murray is having a breakout year. Remember, I, I said this before the season that Jamal Murray was my most improved player candidate. That's who I was going to vote for. And I'm surprised the Thunder are up there. I don't believe in them in the playoffs, but the Thunder are up there. Warriors, Rockets. Spurs are at seven. I like where the Spurs are at, um, given that given their talent level, because LaMarcus Aldridge is on the back end of his career. DeMar DeRozan's a nice player. He's probably a top 15, top 20 player in the league. Um, I, I like where they're at. And they should make the playoffs as a, a lower seed, probably in the six to eight range. And then really, another thing that's been prominent in the NBA news as of late, uh, LeBron James self-proclaimed himself as the GOAT um, on one of his, I don't know if it was on his TV show, The Shop, or if it was on something, but he was with a group of friends, and it was being filmed, and he... He said that after coming back against the Warriors in 2016, being down 3-1, he said that series put him over the top and made him the greatest of all time. And obviously he's taken a lot of backlash for this. He's And I, I don't understand the backlash because I think it was a really honest and real moment. I don't think he was playing for the camera. I don't. I don't. I think he genuinely believes that he's the greatest of all time, and he's taken a lot of heat for that. And I don't. I don't think you, anyone should be given flack for being authentic. I think LeBron's being totally authentic there, 
Do I believe he's the greatest of all time? No. But I believe he believes that. If that makes sense. Danny Ainge had issue with it, I suppose, and he compared LeBron uh, and his self-proclamation of uh, as the GOAT to Donald Trump and how he kind of, you know, spoke himself into existence as President of the United States. And Donald Trump did kind of do that. He kind of you know, kept saying, you know, I'm the, I'm the man, I'm famous, I'm this guy. He kind of used his fame and his platform to rally in a bunch of Americans to vote for him for president of the United States, which I have issue with the, the electoral system for president. It's a whole nother discussion. Electoral colleges, it's a rigged system. And I'll explain it real quick because I got a rant. Uh, if you know what gerrymandering is, look it up. It's basically the organization of counties within a state and you group them in a way that makes it favorable for one political party or another. And so basically to get, to become the president of the United States, you don't necessarily need the popular vote, but you need the electoral college vote. You need to land certain states and have the majority of certain states in your favor in order to to get electoral college votes to become president of the United States. And Donald Trump didn't even win the popular vote. He was behind Hillary Clinton in the in the popular vote, won the electoral college based on the gerrymandering system, and became president of the United States. I think it's a rigged system. It's created to benefit politi- one political party over another. And I don't like it. it. It's got a completely rigged system. And I think I think it just needs to be a popular vote. I think it should be down to who the Americans want as president of the United States. Who, who they vote for. Who the majority votes for. So that's my... That's my little rant on that. But back to LeBron and his self-proclamation as the GOAT. Um, I take no issue with it. I think he genuinely believes that. Do I believe he is the GOAT? No. Um, I, I would say Michael Jordan, and, and Michael Jordan... There's a video that resurfaces that just resurfaced from 2009 in an interview with Michael Wilbon of ESPN. He, you know, asked him about people calling him the greatest of all time, and and Michael Jordan said it wouldn't. It, he said he felt uncomfortable with it and didn't seem it, didn't think it was fair because. He hasn't played some of the uh, so he hasn't played against some of the greatest players of other generations, like a Jerry West, uh, Bill Russell, Wilt, and and obviously guys of this generation like Kobe and LeBron, and and guys like that. And a lot of people viewed that as inauthentic. I think Michael Jordan does believe he is the greatest of all time. But I do also believe him in the sense that he feels uncomfortable with it and that he, and I do believe he, 
I, I do think that's a real thing that you can't really compare eras. I think that is a real thing, but we all kind of lump everyone into the same conversation and we name someone the greatest of all time. It probably would be better to kind of, you know, go based on generation, based on guys from, based on stars from the same draft class, I, su- I suppose, or around the same draft class. But, I mean, the media is never going to do that. People aren't going to do that. I probably would, wouldn't do that. Although it would kind of, because it's just going to create the same argument. You're going to have the goat of each era, and then you're going to compare them against each other to figure out the ultimate goat. So it doesn't matter if you do that at all. Um, but I think Michael Jordan does believe he's the goat. But I also believe him when he says that, you know, it's difficult to compare players across generations because it is i mean back in the 80s and 90s you know it was probably the most physical the sport ever was um back in the 60s and 70s you know wilton and bill russell were there was no other there was no nobody else, there was nobody else that were like them there was no one of that size of that stature able to play like they were and it's it's difficult to compare them because they played against guys of much smaller size and they were really it was uncommon back then to have guys of that size playing in the NBA and then obviously today uh, it's transitioned to more of a shooting game no hand checking no fouls you can't touch players and so it is difficult to compare across generations but uh, if you're asking me, Michael Jordan, I would put above LeBron James simply because LeBron is three and five in the NBA Finals. I think that matters. Uh, I mean, you can't lose to you got swept by the Spurs, you got uh, swept by the Warriors. Yeah, I don't know how you can get swept twice. And actually, no, they didn't get swept twice. He didn't get swept twice. He got swept by the... He got beaten in five by the Warriors. Twice. Beaten in six by the Warriors. Beaten in five by the Spurs. And beaten in four. Swept by the by the Spurs in 2007. Five losses in the NBA Finals. Granted, you have one excellent comeback against arguably the best team. Um... In history, 73 and 9. But I will argue that Draymond Green was out for game 5, and that kind of took away the Warriors' edge. He was suspended for a, a technical foul when LeBron baited him into it. So I didn't agree with the suspension, and that totally, that suspension totally flipped the series. And And for LeBron to say that that win put him over the top, LeBron didn't win that championship. Yes, LeBron had the block on Andre Iguodala, but who made the shot to put the Cavaliers up three? Kyrie Irving. LeBron wouldn't have made that shot, or if he would have, it would have. LeBron was more than likely not going to make it. He's not a great shooter. He wasn't going to make that kind of shot. If he was going to make any shot, he'd be going to the rim. 
and he'd either be fouled and have to go to the line where he is not a great clutch free throw shooter, or he would, you know, make a strong finish. But Kyrie Irving is the reason why they won that championship. Certainly LeBron deserves all the credit in the world for what he did. But the Cavaliers don't win Game 7 without Kyrie Irving and his heroics and that three-point shot at the end. LeBron is certainly up there with the all-time greats. At least top five. At the least. But I would put Michael one. I think there's got to be strong consideration for guys like Kareem and Magic. And LeBron's right in there with them. And then I think two guys that just get stomped over, and unfairly so, are Kobe and Tim Duncan. And, you know, nobody ever talks about those two as the greatest of all time. Um, Simply because Tim Duncan is not very flashy, and Kobe, a lot of people think of him as a poor man's Michael Jordan. A very, uh, and, and, I mean, Kobe... I could argue is more was more skilled than Michael Jordan. Kobe was a far better shooter. I think he was a better passer than Michael Jordan. Um, Michael Jordan was probably the better defender, but although Kobe was a great defender as well. And as far as the clutch gene goes, I think Michael and Kobe are on the same same level. I think the only difference is people argue that you know Shaq carried Kobe while Michael carried Scotty. I don't. I don't think Michael carried Scotty, and I certainly don't think Shaq carried Kobe. Shaq was probably the best player, but he didn't at, at the time during his three-peat in 2000 through 2002, but Kobe was no slouch. And, and another difference is just five championships out of seven tries versus six for six for Michael. I think Kobe is, I would put Kobe just like a little smidgen below Michael Jordan. And then you also have guys like Kareem and Magic that I would also put right there. And LeBron's in that mix, but I don't put him number one. I just don't. All right. So NFL wildcard matchups coming up this weekend. Games tomorrow, Houston versus Indianapolis at 4, 430. And then the Dallas Cowboys taking on the Seattle Seahawks at 8.30, uh, actually 8 o'clock, pregame 7.30. And both of these games, I think, are coin flips. Um, They're really, really difficult to predict. And then on Sunday, Chicago versus the Eagles. I think this is a... This one, I think, can be tricky, but I think... I can understand why it's tricky for some people, but for me, I think it's pretty clear. And then the Baltimore Ravens, Los Angeles Chargers, best game of the weekend. That's going to be a great one to watch. Um, for the Houston Texans versus the, Col- versus the Colts, I think the Colts are the hottest team in the league right now. Won nine of the last ten games to make it to the playoffs. I'm going to take the Colts in this game. I think the Texans have kind of fallen off a little bit. Although I think I still think they're a good team and they're going to be a great team in the future, but I like where the Colts are at, where they, how they've been playing. They're ahead of schedule with their roster. I'm going to take the Colts in this game. 
And I'm gonna put I'm gonna put scores on these games. So let me write these down. We'll put scores. Um, I'll do the Colts over the Texans, and I'll say twenty-three to seventeen. Colts over the Texans. Um, Cowboys Seahawks game. This is way too difficult to, for me to predict. And as I've mentioned before, not a Cowboys podcast. Don't want to be biased. Uh, I'm going to be objective as I can about this game. I think that this is a very low scoring game. I think it's going to be a mostly defensive game, running game, time of possession. Um, the Seahawks have the number one rushing attack in the league with their trio of running backs, Mike Davis, Rashad Penny, and Chris Carson. And then you obviously have Zeke on the other side, the the reigning two-time rushing champ. I think it's going to be a battle of those guys. And then who can make the throws late in the fourth quarter? Russell Wilson and Dak have both been excellent in the fourth quarter this year in games. and. Uh, I I think this is a really close matchup, and I think lo- it's low scoring. It's going to be defensive running game, and who can make the throws in the fourth quarter. And right now, Dallas is favored at home by I think the the line is set at minus two and a half or one and a half. Um, this is a really difficult game to pr- predict. Coin flip. This is this is probably the toughest game to predict out of all four of the wildcard matchups this weekend. Uh, Chicago Bears versus the Eagles. Um, it's going to be in Soldier Field. Nick Foles is Foles magic. I think it's a real thing, and I think this is where a lot of people are going to get hung up on this game because I think they're going to want to pick the Eagles. They're going to want to fall in love with Foles again, and. I think there's good reason to fall in love with Foles. I think he's a better fit for the Eagles um, for this team than Carson Wentz is. I think Carson Wentz is immensely talented, way more talented than Nick Foles is, and one of the most talented guys in the league. But Carson Wentz has injury issues, He's and he just doesn't seem to fit with that offense. It seems like they try to do too much with Carson Wentz in there. and they kind of simplify it for Nick Foles and it works. Um, but I think the Foles magic is going to run out this year. I don't think it's going to be the same as it was last year. The Bears defense, similar to the one to the defense back in 2010 when they went to the NFC Championship, they were number one in scoring defense. They created turnovers and, and not only scored off turnovers, but the defense scored themselves. They... Had scoop and scores, pick sixes, strip sacks to the house. Like, that was a great defense. And this is very similar this year to that defense. And I think the Bears are going to pound the ball with Jordan Howard, change the pace a little bit with Tariq Cohen. And as long as Trubisky doesn't make any mistakes and, you know, just plays within himself, uses his legs to get outside the pocket and make plays, 
I, I like the Bears in this game. I think this is also another potentially low-scoring game. I'm going to go with the Bears 20 to the Eagles 13. Bears over Eagles. And then the final wildcard game of the weekend, Baltimore taking on the Los Angeles Chargers in Baltimore. I think this is advantage Chargers. I think the Chargers are a far better road team. Uh, they're far better. They're actually better playing. They're really good actually playing in colder environments. They played in Kansas City, which was pretty cold, and they won. Philip Rivers played great in that game. And I think Lamar Jackson, to be effective, and the reason why he was effective against the Chargers was, was because it was in L.A. the first time. It was warmer weather. And I think for a younger quarterback, I think warmer weather weather matters. And he's probably going to use his legs more than his arm. And I think this game is going to have to be won within the pocket for Lamar Jackson. And I think playing the Ravens once already, having a little bit of film, seeing what Lamar Jackson did to them, I think is going to help the Chargers. And they'll be able to correct some of those things. And I think the Chargers will come out on top this time. Um, and I'm going to go 24 to 17 Chargers over the Ravens. So those are my wild card predictions. Cowboys, Seahawks, too, too difficult to predict. That's a coin flip. I think that can go either way. Uh, I, I see that game being probably... 23-17, one over the other. It's a coin flip. And then, if you guys watch The Herd, I, I know I've said before I'm a fan of The Herd. I watch The Herd um, as often as I can. Um, and last year, Colin came out with this, this way of predicting the playoffs based on just quarterbacks. It's a quarterback face bracket. And it went horribly last year. Just He basically was just making predictions, predictions based on who the better quarterback is. And last year it didn't go so well. This year I'm not a huge fan of his picks. I'll read them to you. So in the wild card matchups he has uh, Russell Wilson over Dak. Nick Foles over Trubisky. Phillip Rivers over Lamar Jackson, and Andrew Luck over Deshaun Watson. And then if you go to the divisional round, Andrew Luck over Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady over Phillip Rivers. And then on the other side, Russell Wilson over Jared Goff and Drew Brees over Nick Foles. And then Drew Brees over Russell Wilson, and then Andrew Luck over Tom Brady. And and then in the Super Bowl, he's got Andrew Luck over Drew Brees. I think Andrew Luck is a great quarterback. I think he's immensely talented and when healthy, one of the best in the league. And probably probably gets, if Mahomes hadn't thrown for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns, Andrew Luck would have gotten my vote for MVP based on just pure value. But not everyone can do what Patrick Mahomes did this season, especially with his weapons kind of declining as the year went on. He kind of lost more and more weapons as the year went on. 
Um, but I agree with some of those picks, not all of them. I don't like Andrew Luck at the, you know, winning the Super Bowl. I suppose it's a very this is a very flawed bracket because it's a team game. You have to factor in factor in defense, skill, position, special teams, coaches, all that. But I'm gonna do it this year, and we'll see how it goes. I don't think this is how it will go, but it's possible. And if if I if I if this looks pretty solid and I nail this, I mean, come on, you got to give me some credit. So we'll start with the wild card matchups. Uh, Andrew Luck against Deshaun Watson. I think Andrew Luck is the better quarterback. So I have Andrew Luck moving on to the divisional. Um, Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott, uh, I think best case scenario, Dak Prescott can turn into a guy like Russell Wilson, but he's just not there yet. Russell Wilson is the better quarterback. I'll take Russell Wilson. Um, so he'll move on to the divisional Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky. I think Nick Foles, the Foles magic, the Foles, the Foles gold. I think that's gonna, I think that's better than Mitch Trubisky. I think Mitch Trubisky is kind of limited as a quarterback but has a good a bright future. So I'll take Foles to move on and then Philip Rivers over Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson 6 and 1 as a starter, been playing amazing um especially with his legs and he's improved as a thrower. But Philip Rivers is having an MVP year. I love Philip Rivers, one of my favorite quarterbacks ever. The three quarterbacks I love all time, Tony Romo, Philip Rivers and Carson Palmer. Those are three of my favorite quarterbacks ever. I like Philip Rivers to move on to the divisional, and then we have uh, Patrick Mahomes taking on Andrew Luck. Patrick Mahomes, I think, is just based on the season he's had, he's the better quarterback right now. I'm going to take him to move on. Tom Brady versus Phillip Rivers. I think Tom Brady is the best quarterback in the league. He's going to move on. And I kind of just spoiled the rest of my bracket uh, by saying that, but... Moving over to the other side, Russell Wilson and Jared Goff. I think Russell Wilson's a better quarterback. Drew Brees taking on Nick Foles. Drew Brees, MVP caliber year, broken many records. One of the top 10 all-time quarterbacks ever. Drew Brees and then Russell, Drew Brees and Russell Wilson in the NFC Championship. I put Drew Brees just a hair above Russell Wilson this season. Russell Wilson... I love what Russell's done this year, and I love what Breeze has done this year. Um, but I'm going to put Drew Breeze just a hair above to go to the Super Bowl. On the other side, um, we'll have Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. I've got Brady over Mahomes. Yes, he's been limited with what he's had around him this year, and Mahomes has had that 5,000 yards, 50 touchdowns. But Brady is the better quarterback, more experienced, five-time champion. Eight Super Bowl appearances. I mean, he's just amazing. And then you have Breeze versus Brady in the Super Bowl, which I think is actually a possible Super Bowl matchup. I don't think it'll happen. I don't think the Patriots will make it that far, but it is possible. You never know with Brady and Belichick. Brady over Breeze. Brady is the GOAT, the greatest quarterback of all time. And He's the best quarterback in the league, in my opinion. And if you go back to my list that I created with um, Alec a couple episodes ago and 
I believe I even brought it up an episode or two prior to that as well when I created a quarterback list. Brady's the best quarterback in the league. He does so much with so little. It's hard not to argue him as the unquestioned best quarterback in the league, regardless of what the statistics say. All right, so that's that's about it for me for this week. Kind of a shorter episode, but I mean, we've got the playoffs coming up. I've already detailed as much as I can detail about these games. Um, did a little fun bracket. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, make sure you follow the show on Twitter at the Will Ford Show. Rate and review the show on iTunes. Like and comment on SoundCloud. Share this episode with your friends, parents, enemies, coworkers, everybody you know. I know a lot of college kids are on break right now, so once you go back to school. If you listen to this podcast, share it with everybody. Uh, I, I want to, you know, try to expand on this. Try to, you know, become, you know, a more popular podcast and and things like that. So make sure you you share it with the people you know. Got a great weekend of football coming up. It's going to be a great weekend. I'm really excited, and I, I'm just. I'm just really, really excited just to see how things shape out. And it's it's going to be great. Hopefully you guys are sticking to your New Year's resolutions. I know it's only four days in, but you got to stick to them. Great weekend of football coming up. We'll see you next week after the divisional round. And we'll detail the divisional playoffs in episode 54. It's WFS. 